think of philosophy and its beautiful relation to martial arts in the fact of not that it gives you answers, but it creates questions. It creates an open channel of thinking. In relation to martial arts, there's, there's not one answer. There's many ways from a technical avenue, from a stylistic perspective, and um, many answers. There's not one thing, right? That's why there's so many variations and so many possibilities. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I oh, am. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of MartialArtsMedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. G'day, this is George, and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. So today I'm joined with a special guest all the way from Marrickville, Sydney, New South Wales. So we were going to actually, like a lot of things, do this interview a couple of months back, but at the time of recording this, as we all know, the world changed, and so things got delayed. So I want to welcome to the call Costa Prasulas. How are you today, Costa? Yeah, good. Thank you, George. I'm very well, thank you. It's nice to be with you. Cool. So Costa has an interesting background, and um, who better to tell us, look, if somebody has a Wikipedia page, it deserves mentioning, right? So who better to tell us a bit of an intro and then Costa can, can take over. But Costa Prasulas is an Australian actor and martial artist trained in Muay Thai, Hapkido, Taekwondo, Pancration, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, having won the Australian Open Martial Arts Championship in 1992, Intercontinental Kickboxing Champion, and won a silver medal in the 2009 World Games. His acting credits include Cops, Enemy, and Dead End. Mm. How cool is that? My work done for me and a really good intro. <laughs> <laughs> It's it, well. It's quite interesting, you know. I didn't even know that I had a Wikipedia page until about last year, when my daughter came up and she's like, "Dad, guess what?" I said, "What?" She goes, "Oh, we were looking at you at school with some friends of mine. Well, my daughter's in Year Twelve, mind you." And uh, she goes, "You're on Wikipedia." I said, "Really?" I I, I had no idea, and uh, so it only came to my attention that I was actually on Wikipedia, at, like maybe over the last sort of four to 18 months. So it's quite interesting. So it's cool that you said that. I didn't even know myself. That actually makes it a lot better. You know, if it was mm. instigated from a marketing standpoint and, you, you know, mm. then it's still good that you can get it. But the fact that it was up there without your knowing. Yeah, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I, had, I had absolutely no idea. No idea. Yeah. That can lead to the next question, right? Like, mm. how did it come to that? I mean, You've obviously done some cool things within the martial arts space and then movies. Mm -hmm. So give us a bit of a background, how this all got started for you and, and where you came from. Sure. Primarily from a, a very young age. I was about five and a half to six years of age when, when I started really sort of getting involved with martial arts. 
And the primary reason was my father. My father was actually, uh, he dabbled in like amateur Greco-Roman wrestling in Greece. And when my parents sort of settled in, in, in Australia, in Sydney, and I was born, um, you know, my dad was always sort of in the combative art and always sort of had that primarily from a cultural background, that Hellenic uh, combative ideal of, you know, mind, body and spirit like our ancient ancestors, you know. And uh, so that was kind of like, I, I, I never really sort of, I kind of like grew up with that sort of mentality. To me, that was normal because of the way that uh, my life as, as a young kid sort of was involved in that. So I kind of like progressed with some other martial arts as well. You know, with uh, Hapkido, Taekwondo, I moved on to Muay Thai. I spent quite a, a number of years competing in, in kickboxing and sort of mod pie and stuff like that. I spent a lot of time in Europe because um, we have quite a bit of family in Greece. So I kind of lived over in Europe for quite a few years. I uh, competed quite a bit in Europe, spent a bit of time in Holland. So my, my sort of Muay Thai kickboxing style is more Dutch style, more European K1 style, uh, which, is, which was quite sort of um, not very popular back then, especially in the, in the 90s. It was sort of very new to the sort of Australia, South Pacific region. Uh, I spent a bit of time in Thailand, traveled to Korea. So I've traveled quite a bit. Uh, over the course of those years, I was involved in, in quite a few sort of like choreography and martial arts sort of uh, scenes and, you know, doing bits and pieces for commercials and stuff like that. Uh, then finally, I had uh, one of my friends and she's sort of like to me, well, uh, why don't you, you get an agent and, and, and do this professionally? And it kind of sort of led to that. There was, a, there, was a, there was a production that was happening maybe about 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and I was kind of involved behind the scenes of choreographing a scene. So it was half a Australian-Indonesian production, and uh, you got to love Asian cinema, mate. You know, like there's always combat and there's love and death and revenge and there's always something happening so it's pretty cool you know it's our style of stuff right so um and there was this fight scene that i needed to create between the main actor and three villains and these guys were all fantastic actors but their martial arts skills left a lot to be desired and um they were wonderful actors great guys but they needed a lot of training. And I primarily turned around to the director. I said, listen, I said, I need to work with these guys. Because w- when you do stuff like this on screen, as opposed to competitive or real sort of situational combat, it's very different. It's very, 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 very different. You know, you need to extend your kicks, you need to do your throws, and you always take use of your environment. So if we're, say, for example, doing a scene, I don't know, I'm just going to pick, say, a, a, in a coffee shop or something, right? We're utilizing tables, chairs, stuff that could be used as weapons. And if you take all of this into consideration, then, you know, the number one priority is safety. And, and, and usually with action scenes, I think those hardcore action movies, especially martial arts, don't get enough credit uh, as, as much as they deserve. Uh, simply because it's not just dialogue where if you make a mistake or there's a slip up or some kind of, retake needs to be happened it can be done whereas with fight scenes especially when you're dealing with weapons and tables and chairs and you look at all the stuff jackie chan and 
all these guys do, they'll spend easily eight to nine hours to pull off a two, three-minute scene. It, it, it's just massive because you're doing a number of different takes and angles and there's mistakes and then you've got injuries and you've got dialogue. So there's a lot of play. There's a, there's a lot more that happens. Anyway, I said to him, you know, we need to do this. We, we need to spend X amount of time. So we kind of sort of started to progress down that avenue. And then he was sort of running out of time. So it was going over budget. It was going over time. So there's all these little factors that you take into consideration. And he goes, you know what, mate? He goes, stuff it. He goes, you do it. He goes, you got that. And because it's an Asian movie, right? So you got to remember that the Europeans are usually the bad guys in a lot of the Asian movies, right? So you got to you understand the historical context of why that happens. So he goes, you'd be perfect to it. So no problem. So it kind of like took off from there. And that was a major hit, especially in that movie was quite a big hit in Indonesia. It kind of like stemmed from there. It's been an interesting sort of, I, I really enjoy it, especially though I don't really compete much now. You know, I'm focusing on my academy and my acting and I've got my family as well. So I try to juggle my, my time quite effectively and well. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I've been getting a lot more drama, serious roles. I've kind of like been stigmated as the, like the, kind of like a mafia boss, uh, you know, that side of role. So the last couple of years, my roles have been primarily more of a, like a godfather, you know, like a standover guy. Like don't, <laughs> don't, don't mess with me kind of dude, you know, which is pretty cool. You know, it's nice. We'll love it. Yeah, uh, I, saw, yeah. Yeah. I saw a so few clips and you, yeah. you matched that. That persona, yeah. pretty good, yeah. You've got the martial arts experience. You're with a bunch of actors. They're actors, but they don't know what they're doing. How does that process work to actually get actors on par with a, a scene? And then how much of it is orchestrated and improvised? Is it 100% orchestrated? And is that why the length of the time? Or mm, That's a good question. And uh, so you'll find that with, with straight-out actors, it takes a long time to train them. So if they're doing a usually a big budget production, we'll get like a, like big Hollywood actors or you know mainstream like high end actors, and they'll spend the time to train them, and they'll spend. And so, for example, like we look at a, a film that we all love, like John Wick, and yeah, you, know, you got to look at Keanu Reeves was already trained. He he's already yeah. been training in martial arts for many years, but in this particular one, they wanted to change it, so they brought in Jean Jacques Machado. They brought in um, a lot of guys with another element, and he was just training relentlessly for like three to six months. And this guy has been consistently active, and they were able to pull off these scenes. So there was a combination of choreography and sort of go with the flow, let's improvise. So with guys like him, you can. If you take someone, let's say, for example, that's had no sort of athletic training and really hasn't been involved in in sort of the martial arts or combat, it's really difficult. So that's why you'll find, depending on the region or depending on what they're doing, is they'll use people that will have a background in it. Or, you know, a lot of the extras or the supporting actors will be very highly trained martial artists to make the flow seem effective. You know, where you'll see people like Liam, ne Liam Neeson in Taken, where he'll do uh, the camera angles are very, very close. So you don't really see him doing much. And it's very, sort of like one hit, one finish, and done. Yeah. It's not an extensive – so you, that's how they get around working with guys like that. But, so they don't have to overly train them because they're more drama-based actors. They're not fight choreography actors. Whereas 
guys where we, we will go back a bit where we you, you, you take guys like we said like Keanu Reeves and, and Van Damme and you know all of these guys like uh, Jason Statham is a classic example. Yeah. You know these guys are all trained, so it's much easier for them to flow, so they can kind of work well. So if you and I both trained and, and you were in a supporting scene, it would we would improvise a lot more, and we would work off each other. So that would reduce that that flow. You know, it'll create, and that's why you'll see scenes like. Have you ever seen the movie called The Raid? No. Okay, watch The Raid. So uh, cool. it's pretty cool. They did a like a fifteen minute uh, high impact fight scene where they were just going with the flow. And this probably took them, you know, whereas in a normal act, it would take him three days to shoot a 10-minute scene. Uh, they did it in, you know, in a span of like 12 hours. It's just like that. You know? And some people are highly skillful, but they're terrible on camera. Like they've just got no reaction because you've got to fake it. So if you punch me here and I don't react to that, well, then that doesn't look very realistic on, on film, does it? Yeah. You're, you're trying to sell it. Yeah. That's interesting. I've always I've always tried to look at movies, you know, mm. just from that devil advocate's point of view of, mm. you know, like, hang on, was that really your hand and how was the angle and mm. how did the punch land? Was it from you? Was it from someone else? Was it the devil? Mm. Yeah. Accidents do happen, though. They do happen and, and a lot of people get injured. You know, there's many people that have had, you know, broken foots and broken ribs or, you know, mishaps and stuff like that. And and it, it just depends on, uh, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the moment or you could be on uneven terrain or you're working off ladders or tables and chairs and, you know, accidents do happen. People people do get hurt. It's not intentional, but 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 it can happen, especially when you're dealing with weaponry and other sort of environmental stuff. And there's also, there's many things, uh, you know, there's also the continuity factor. So, for example... When you're looking at a base movie, so let's say, for example, we're doing a scene, we're doing a dialogue scene, we're sitting, let's take the coffee shop like we did before. This is where you'll notice scenes like um, we're having a conversation, but we're doing a number of retakes. So we're there for an extensive amount of time where, and you know, you're drinking, say, for example, I don't know, a sparkling mineral water, but your glass is half full. You're wearing your Breitling watch on your left hand and, you know, your hair styled this way and your shirt is has got one button untucked. And then, you know, you'll see the same scene later on, but the glass is empty. Your shirt's a little bit differently. It's because they're doing a number of retakes. So what this, all of this stuff comes into effect too. So if you've, if you've copped a, you know, a punch on your right side and you're kind of like tripled with bleeding, you know, this is where makeup comes in and the director of photography to create continuity purposes because it's very difficult. And, you know, if you have to do like, for example, a sidekick to the knee, and we've got to keep redoing this, you might end up throwing like 50, 60, 100 sidekicks over and over and over again. So, you know, you start to sweat and all of this stuff comes into it. It's, it's quite, um, it's a lot harder than what people think. Not, it's not that simple. That's why I said to you in the beginning, I said there's a much higher appreciation for those action sequences and what, what like some of the people and the actors and the stunt guys actually go through to produce the final product. It's actually a Quite an intense process, you know. Mm. I think I'll be looking at two three-minute fight scenes now with a, a new level of eyes and appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tend to appreciate it a lot more. Yeah, a lot more. You know. So you've got Zeus Academy, and yes, I do. And so, with your background in acting, has any of your students followed that same path, or have you directed them in that way when you spot some talent? Not necessarily. I have offered my students when there has been opening for extras roles or you know like background roles and, and they need people 
I will offer it, and and some of them have been involved in a few short films, like well, the Toronto Film Festival or Sydney Film Festival, or you know the Cannes Film Festival, when they're doing a lot of short films or productions and stuff like that for short things. Nothing major, like not not big big uh, budget productions or sort of mid budget productions. I think um, it's not something that I, I push them to do. It's something that if any of them are interested in that avenue at some point i'll probably look into it but no it, i haven't really i have offered when when there has been opportunities arisen and some have had taken part but i haven't really pushed them down that avenue because uh, you gotta remember too that you know as a professor and master instructor of the academy people have different goals primarily all of our students that come don't come for that reason it wouldn't be for martial arts choreography or for that, you know. It'll always be something. Now, if something changes in the future and, you know, especially some of the guys that have been with me for like 10, 15 years and they enjoy this and they want to pursue this, definitely. But I think it's a very oversaturated industry, to be honest with you. There's, it's very little like the way that the industry works now is very different to what it used to. So most of the times now, is, you know, people will make a lot of short films, they'll make a lot of, like, pilot productions with the goal to eventually get it on Netflix or Stan and stuff like that, getting picked up. And then if that is a success, you get a percentile cut and then you progress to a seasonal production. Whereas, and, and most of this is free work. You know, it's a very, very oversaturated industry. Especially um, here in Australia, it's very, very, very difficult, especially with action movies. Very few yeah. productions get done here. They're, they're more into the arty party kind of thing. They're not really into that sort of hardcore Asian, you know, John Wick sort of transporter-style movies. You get a lot more the Europeans, the Americans, and the Asians that do those style of movies, you know? Fantastic. So right behind you, there's a nice display of different trophies and so forth. Do you want to <laughs> give us a bit of a background on what's going uh, on there? Yeah. I just... It's just mixed stuff. I've got my intercontinental kickboxing title belt and a couple of trophies and stuff, like some you know, gold medal from the Sydney BJJ Cup and uh, just bits and pieces. It's just it's 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 nice. It's this is this is some of the stuff that I have. I'm at home now, so I'm not in the office. This is just more like my home stuff. Or some of the stuff in the gym. But I, I I don't primarily like to make Zeus Academy about me. I like to have the uh, impression that it is about the academy, you know. Totally. So that that way it gives me a little bit more freedom to you know do my acting and do some other stuff that I do. So the way that I work, sort of like Zeus Academy, I got it uh, in, in kind of like five branches of one of a one academy. So we've got our standard martial arts training and different classes where we offer Muay Thai, high level Muay Thai, high level uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, uh, Pancration, mixed martial arts. Uh, Hapkido, and we have our kids' uh, Taekwondo slash uh, kickboxing programs. So we have those styles that we teach there. So uh, then uh, our, my second avenue is I do quite a bit of work, well, I used to, and I still do occasionally, but not as much as I, used, as I did before due to all the circumstances that have happened throughout the world and stuff. Uh, I do quite a bit of work with corrective services and the security, personal protection sort of area. I do a lot of the training of the yards, uh, personally myself. Uh, I also uh, do my film work. We run uh, quite a few anti-bullying programs for schools, and we also have uh, 
remedial massage, personal training, weight control, and you know, personal sort of little things that we work on with individualistic sort of people, depending on you know their personal issues that they're dealing with. And we've also got I got my manageress who's got a, you know she's pretty much a psychologist and does a few other things as well. So I kind of run it with those five sort of little sub branches, but all of one academy. So there's many things that that I kind of like to do with with Zeus Academy in that respect. So it's kind of like a little bit different from your average martial arts academy, and it's not that I kind of like planned to take it to any of these specific avenues. But I truly believe, like if you work hard, you have faith and you believe in what you do. You're very passionate about what you're doing, and you know you keep at it. Things fall into place, you know. And uh, that's kind of like it's kind of happened with with my the competitive scene. I like I, I love competition. I'm not. I don't push it. We do have quite a good. We have a, a few very very high level competitors. Not a huge amount, but I do find that they take a lot more of my time and a lot more time that I would like to spend. And it's great. I understand it because I did it myself. I used to compete quite a bit over here and in Europe as well and in Asia. But um, it's not something that I, I'm a big fan of going down that avenue. I will support as much as I possibly can, but to go into that sort of fight lifestyle is just it's just a lot of time consuming with very little return, to be honest with you. Yeah, totally. So I'm I'm curious just on your on your academy, and you mentioned your, you know, you've got five sort of different pillars mm-hmm. and, and so different audiences. So when it comes to marketing, is it do you focus on one primary target audience and then there's a bit of a sort of cross-promotion in between, or do you sort of just have people coming in from all angles? across all five pillars? So from a marketing perspective, I just market the academy. Primarily, I always market the academy for its philosophy, the philosophy of the academy. The philosophy of the academy, because I, I, I do a lot of, I, I actually studied philosophy quite extensively ever since being young. So I studied a lot of Socrates, Aristotle, and stuff like that. I think of philosophy and its beautiful relation to martial arts in the fact of, not that it gives you answers, but it, creates questions it creates uh an open channel of thinking in relation to martial arts there's there's not one answer there's many ways from a technical avenue from a stylistic perspective and um many answers there's not one thing right that's why there's so many variations and so many possibilities and i think that's what philosophy does so when i market this academy it's more about the philosophy of the academy we are one. We, we try to make the fist work as a whole in terms of, of you know, mind, body, and spirit. If one of the fingers are, are injured or damaged or are not functioning properly, well, then the whole unit is not going to be able to form at its maximum capacity and power. So they need, we, we try to emphasize on that balance. I think people are in there. We, you know, we, we look at sort of like those various aspects of it. But in other terms of marketing, we, we work a lot with referrals. So uh, I do a lot. We work a lot with referrals. And I also get a lot of clientele through my app. So there's a lot of on set and all this stuff. And they go, oh, wow, man, that's great. What do you do? And it's like, okay, yeah. So I actually had a guy join our 
he actually signed up last night. He was a, a fellow actor. Because I've always wanted to do Muay Thai. I've always wanted to do BJJ. I always watch the UFC. And it's like, that's great. You know, I didn't want to really want to say to him, I hate the UFC. I'm not a big fan of UFC. But um, I get that through my own individual thing. So from terms of marketing, from all the five different aspects, it'll be more of a referral or sort of personal thing. But when we're doing general marketing, uh, we just sort of market the academy. as a whole. I keep it very simple. Like it's very rare that I'll, you know, come now and get this free. I, I, I'm not a big believer in things like that. I'm a big believer in less is more. So like one of my marketing strategies that I sort of do on social media will be I'll always relate something that I do to philosophy of life. And I think as the leader of the academy, I think you got to lead by example. When I think back to my ancestors, it's Alexander the Great, Leonidas, or Constantine the Great, which is where my name comes from, Constantine, is they were always in the front line. They were the first one on the battlefield. They weren't sitting behind directing. They were saying, this is what we're going to do, and this is how we should do it. So I've always kind of had that philosophy with myself and my students, you know. So I try to do the same. I try to lead. It's just been one of those things that I kind of do. And it's kind of worked for me. And um, I'm also a big believer on, you know, knowledge is power. But I think yes and no. I think knowledge without action is okay, but you need to take action. So uh, that kind of like instills that philosophy too. Well, 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 let's take action. Well, if I can do it, and I'm almost 50, you can do it too. You know, I love that. And I was I was going to ask you about, I was looking at your social media posts and uh, mm. the essence of the philosophy that coming through with that. It kind of reminds me that the day I started training martial arts, and I, I don't know if you know my story, but I mean, my, my martial arts lifespan is, I mean, it's short. I started when I was 36. But uh, the one thing when you, you were mentioning connection of mind, body, and spirit, you know, that's, that's what was the, the selling point for me. It was all the personal development work and everything that I've done over the years and really trying to, yeah, the master, trying to master myself and, and find myself, you know, finding martial arts was kind of the vehicle of the physical, you know, that was the, the body part, which it really connected for me. So if you look at the philosophy of Zeus Academy, what is that, that one core philosophy that sort of stems over all five different styles and avenues that you explore? I would say one word. Uh, if I could sum up my academy in one word, it would be family. Because family gives you a sense of security. It gives you a sense of protection. It gives you a sense of strength. It gives you a sense of knowing that there's going to be someone there or a thing there beside you to be there at your best points, but also at your worst points. And um, because we all fight different battles and strength is not just a physical thing. It's like you just said before, it's all those three attributes, right? I think of family not so much when I say the word family, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about encompassing all of those, all of those avenues and those attributes and those qualities that we all possess. And it's one of those things that I think really, and I think you know what I'm talking about, but it's really hard to explain this to people that don't train. Now, when they get involved, especially when you do like real hardcore, tough, like in close, like heavy, like kind of like grappling systems or 
really, really, really up close and personal hard style, Muay Thai and stuff like that, you really develop a sense of brotherhood and sisterhood and family. And, and uh, that's what I mean by the term family. You know, you, you get that bug and you get that sense of belonging and you know that uh, you're part of something that is within you as well as external. I don't know how else to explain it, but that's it's, what I meant. It's 100% clear. What you're saying is 100% mm. clear. Yeah, mm. I love that, uh, that perspective mm. that you share because I, I don't hear a lot of people talk that deep you know mm. about this for me it's a it's an ongoing learning cycle i mean just with everything the martial arts and the the mind and martial arts the mind the body and spirit as you mentioned 100 percent. and and i think we we always start i mean it doesn't matter what what you do i don't think what age it, it doesn't really matter what your kind of that mind frame is when you begin with i think once you spend an extensive amount of time we all lead to that Right, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're working on losing weight, you get that mental, emotional, and internal satisfaction and understanding that you start to apply to your everyday life. You know, whether you're a hardcore competitor, you know, you start dealing with nerves and self control and composure and feeling pressure. And no matter how many times I step into that ring, my heart like pounding, man. But I know I, I got to channel that energy my advantage and the more I do it the more I'm able to channel that fear to a more positive approach as many goes away it's there it's, and it's always going to be there right and I don't care who you are I don't care how many fights you've had every time you step in that ring your heart pumps and you and you feel that right but you just start to channel that energy to a more positive effect it's like saying don't be happy don't cry don't laugh don't feel fear it's not going to happen it's going to happen at one point at any point in time. It's just how you channel that, right? And I think the more you stay involved and you train, you really start to learn these qualities about yourself uh, a lot more. And eventually, you might start young and you see it in many aspects. And I've seen this throughout the number of decades I've been training. So now I'm, I've been close. This would be like my 40th year in proper, like training from young, right? And um, so when you're young, you, you know, you, well, your parents are trying to develop that strength, that confidence, that eye contact, all those qualities, right? And then you sort of get to your teens where you start to be a little bit more mentally aware and, you know, your physical presence. You may, you know, and then you you may start to, to compete, even if you don't, like, you, you know, you may be training with people that do compete, so it keeps you that, that sharpness. But even, and then you go through that whole sort of phase and um, you learn to to battle through those, you know, those those points where you know, you're going to get hit, you're going to get knocked down, you know, you're going to get beat up, you're going to nurse some shocking injuries. I don't even want to start with my injuries. I'll be here for like ten minutes. You're blown out knees, knee reconstructions, bursitis in the elbow, L four, L five, lower disc fusion. You know. Uh, dislocated ribs, dislocated rib cartilage, you name it, mate. It's like it's just consistently, it hasn't stopped, right? So, but, you know, we don't play lawn balls for a living, do we? So, but it teaches you to fight through life. And I think it was actually Sylvester Stallone that said it best in one of the Rocky movies, no one hits harder than life. So when you learn to overcome and channel these things 
And the only way you're going to overcome and channel through them is by using what, what you said before, those mental and internal physical strength and attributes because the external physical presence doesn't matter at this point. And you learn to overcome and become a fighter in life. You know? And as you progress, irrespective of age, I think when you get to sort of our age and older, you kind of like, you are more appreciative of this. And it's a constant learning thing, isn't it? You know, like a lot of times it's like, oh, master, costa, master this. Yeah, for sure. It's a title, man, but it doesn't really mean anything. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're constantly learning, constantly, constantly learning. There's, there's always something to it. I think the day that we think that we know it all is the day we, we, we stop growing. You know, like there's totally. so much. That's my philosophy as a whole thing through the academy from the top. And I, I try to sort of slowly, you know, nurture our, our instructors that have, you know, that, that work that work at our academy, that teach for me. All, all of my instructors have been with me for a, a minimum of six to seven years, if not more, that have been that teach at our academy. So, and the idea is I want it like that because I want this philosophy to talk through. I don't want it to be because it's me. I want it to be because it's the academy. As you keep going older and older, we've got some, you know, students that are in their 60s. Yeah, one guy is almost 70. So it's really nice to see these people, you know, and they're pushing and challenging themselves and they're doing stuff that they never thought was possible. So I never think it's too late to start. Uh, but I think we all at some point after a level of training, at some point in time, especially within these systems, or especially in the system that uh, I teach at my academy, we really appreciate this mind and body involvement and the connection to life. And then when you see that, I think you also create a lot of longevity in your students. You know? And it also gives them a sense of attachment. So, for example, uh, we'll go through you know, little things. I was talking to one of my students yesterday, and he asked me a question about Muay Thai and, you know, how it's, it's modern effect and sport and stuff like that. I actually did. I, I said this uh, when we were at the convention together when I did the Muay Thai scene. As well, and you know, a lot of people don't know that, that that Muay Thai is actually a very traditional martial art, and it comes from pre-Thailand, before Thailand was actually called Thailand. It was Siam, right? So it was the Siamese people that were, you know, their military forces were trained to defend the people of this land, and there was a lot of weapons involved, and there was archery, and there was ground techniques, and there was stone throwing techniques, and there was. All of this stuff that was used in those times back then, you know, and in order to preserve this beautiful art, they were training in there, you know, they made it into a more of a ring sport, which is what we have today. But there's a lot of traditions, you know, in the way that we bow and the Mong Kong and what that symbolizes. And I know a lot of people, the Mong Kong actually comes from the ancient times, which was embedded into the warriors back then, but before they would go on the battlefield, and it was either blessed by a holy man or a priest. And it has always got some, you know, like a sacred uh, amulet or, or stone or something in this Mong Kong, and it would be never touched by the warrior. So even to this day, when you see the Muay Thai fighter go in the ring and he'll, he'll seal the ropes and come around, you come to your, your instructor, your cornerman, he'll whisper a, a prayer or, you know, a blessing of some sort, and he will remove the Mong Kong. The warrior doesn't touch it. So it was to keep the evil spirits away, to keep to keep the warrior and the fighter safe on the battlefield or in the arena. And you know, we talk about this thing. And uh, yeah, people like training like 
sei lá, nós muito, and they're like, wow, man, that's some bullshit. It's like, it's good stuff. It's like, yeah, this, this is, <laughs> and, and this is where the mental stuff comes in, and you start to appreciate it. And not only that, mentally, you make a connection to way back in history, and you're thinking, wow, man, I'm doing something that was done centuries ago. You know, and, and I'm carrying this tradition on. And then you feel that sense of connection. And I think if you're able to touch people like this, you create a very, very, very longevity, you know, a very sense of uh, long, you know, lasting students, you know, more or less. So this is the kind of approach I, 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 I kind of like use with all my systems. That I and I think it's important because I think that the past has a lot to teach us and a lot of the stuff that we take. You know, I'll learn something from you and you might have learned it from someone else. And, you know, it kind of like carries on. It's not always something new. It's it's something that was always there, but we just adapt. And and, and that's the secret. I think the adaption of, of of taking these these things and adapting it to how we see fit in our current circumstances. I think that's an important point, you know. Yeah, it's exactly why I do these interviews. It's just I learn so mm. much. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's a very selfish thing. You know, like, I mean, yeah, people say, yeah, it's marketing and it's this. And, but the, the podcast interview is for me, it's, a, it's, it's selfish in the way that I like to learn. And uh, that's why I can, just, I can just talk and listen. Well, I listen more than I talk, fortunately, mm. <laughs> in the podcast. But, right. uh, it's just exploring. And, and you've got so much wealth, of, such a wealth of knowledge to share. And, just those things that you just shared about Muay Thai, you know, it, it makes me, you know, it just makes me think of, you know, and I've never stepped in a, in a ring like that, but I just love watching that ritual of fighters mm. walking around the ring and blessing, you know, mm. walking along the rope. And there's it, just uh, something magical to it. When you hear stuff like this, and even if you were to say to me, you get a much nicer appreciation of it, you know? And I think if people have this appreciation stylistically as well, we all would understand that we're kind of like, we're trying to go through the same journey but from different paths. But the end, yeah. we're all trying to meet the same kind of like goal. Yeah? yeah. In that heightened level of spirit and awareness and achievement and, and you know, progression, success, learning and all of those things, you know. I wanted to ask you just before we wrap things up, you know, we mentioned the things in the world have changed and so forth. And uh, I mean, I, I don't like to talk about it that much, but in, in the context of what we, we spoke about, I mean, let's be real, right? Pe people faced challenges in different lights. You know, some people saw this as opportunities. Some people really struggled with it. You know, it, it, I think it was a risk. To, to me, I look at it as a real test on humanity just in general, you know, on how do we cope with diversity and, you know, like how do we adapt when things don't go the way we have them or, you know, are used to living, for example. With all this this perspective that you have and the philosophy that, that you shared, how did you approach all this? And what are the things when all this started to develop? Like what are the what are the things that sort of really resonated with you from all the years of study that you've done from philosophy mm -hmm. that you really put to practice to to pull you through? Mm -hmm. It's a really good question. It was an interesting time. Uh, I viewed this as a form of self-defense. I mean, it wasn't a direct physical, well, it was and it wasn't, but, you know, in a way, it was a self-defense sort of like 
situation or kind of like scenario that the world had faced. Like we needed to protect ourselves in a different way, of course, but nonetheless, the overall sort of theoretical way is, okay, well, we need to protect ourselves. What do I need to do? You know, we all have good days. We all have bad days. We try to have more good days than bad days. And you know, I think once you accept, I think the key point here is accepting the fact that you're going to have bad days. You're going to fail. You're going to trip. You're going to stumble. You're going to be pissed off. You're not going to be your best. You accept the fact. But you know the next day is a new day. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to, to step up your game and get a little bit better and make amends and change things. And, you know, then we kind of like minimize the bad days as opposed to the good days. They're going to be there and we need to accept that they're going to be there. But if it's at a 50-50 ratio, we try to make it a, you know, a 60-40 and then a 70-30 and 80-20. And, you know, hopefully we get to a 90-10 ratio and that's where we want to be, right? But it's going to be there. It's going to be there. It's like one of those things that we said before. It's like you can't eliminate, you can't get rid of it. It's going to be there. It's how you channel it and how you react to it. So this is how I kind of viewed the whole situation. What did I do? I probably did a ton of things that I probably never would have done. You know, I started writing a book about five, six years ago. It's about the internal strength. It's unleashing the warrior within kind of thing. So it's got to do with a lot, a lot of the stuff that we've been discussing. So it's got to do with some training. It's got to do with some physical stuff. It's got to do with some mental stuff. It's got to do with historical moments in history and the way that things have adapted and changed to that particular individual that was taking part and what the mind frame might have been like, some of the stuff that's happened to me and I've encountered. I got a chance to actually work on my book, which was great. Right. We developed our, we, we really got our online platform working, which is something that I had the intention of doing, but never really got around to it. Uh, we got our app, online training done. You know, I hooked up a major partnership deal between Zeus Academy and Nike. Well, that's, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't even think a lot of this stuff would have been done if that wasn't the case. Did I plan for, you know, to do these things? Uh, not entirely, but uh, I think the best way that I can explain it, and this is the why I use the term self-defense, was if I'm in a self-defense situation, I look at my options. So the first thing that I would look at, we're sitting here now, I would look at what I have in my environment. Right. So I've got this chair right next to me. So it can be used as a defensive and offensive tool. So I, I, I kind of like, this is how I think, right, with my tools. So this is the kind of way I thought about it. I thought, okay, all right, what do I got? I've got my book, my training online, I've got to do this. You know, I've got to look at, you know, like maybe attaching the academy to something unique prestigious and world-class that people can associate with and i have this ability to do because of my acting you know it's not something that's simple and it's not something that i sort of drove oh, i'm gonna attach myself to nike kind of like fill into it opportunities arose and i just took it um what i do think though uh i think that depending on people's circumstance you know some people have got it a lot harder than others depending on where you are and what you have access to. I think the people that have been in the game for a lot longer, whatever game they're in, whatever industry they're in, I think the ones that have been in there a lot longer 
are always far better because they're able to ride the storm a little bit easier. So with, with us, um, you know, being, you know, teaching for how many years? Over 20 years. Like I've had this academy for about 20 years and I've been teaching since 93. I could ride that with that wave a little bit longer. And also we had a lot more students that were a lot more loyal. I was kind of blessed from that perspective. But I think it's tough for different people facing different situations. I mean, there was a guy that he, he couldn't, you know, he was only being open for a year or two and couldn't sustain it, so he had to close. I think I think that's a key role as well. I also think that, though, people don't get into survival mode. So this is why I look at this thing as self-defense. So the first thing that happened was like I was in survival mode. So my key objective is to survive. I don't want to win. I don't want to gain. I don't want to get anything. I want to survive first. Once I'm survived and I've gotten myself to a, a point where there's no threat to me now, I can then look at progressing. So I think from a philosophical and mindset approach, I think that this is important. I think people panic. Either they go too defensive or they go too offensive. You've you got to ride your time. You've got, you got to be patient. I think it's a classic example of like, you know, if you have someone inside control and they're big and they're strong and they're battling you, is that the time to attack? Is that the time to defend? You're on top, right? you got to gas them. You've got to ride them out. You've got to wait to, you know, that right moment to you attack the mount or you go to an neon belly or you, you go for submission or whatever the case may be. That's just from a technical perspective. So when I take that approach, that's, that's how I kind of handle that situation. That's how I kind of think of it. Did I think of it intentionally? No, that's just the way I think. It's just my sort of my mentality of how I view things, you know. And on a positive note, it gave me a lot more time with my kids that I probably didn't get a chance to spend, you know what I mean? And I can't put a value on that. Uh, I just truly hope that just in terms of a humanity kind of thing, people become a little bit more compassionate and understanding with each other. And you know what? At the end of the day, George, sometimes you need shit like this to happen so people can just come out a bit and say, hang on, there, there are far more important things to life than just running around like a madman becoming a slave to the system. Because a lot of us, and I'm sure you were guilty of it and I'm guilty of it and we're all guilty of it at some point in time, right? So it kind of makes you take a step back and, and you know, analyze this. So that's how I kind of like I sort of thought about it and dealt with it and sort of approached it. Fantastic. Hey, Costa, thanks so much. This was awesome. If people want to get in touch with you and know more about you, what should they do? Where should they go? Very simple. Our website is zeusacademy.com.au, but .com works as well. They both work. And email is info at zeusacademy.com.au. Instagram is, um, I'm quite active on Instagram, a lot more than Facebook. Uh, Instagram is my name, Costa Prasoulis, Costa Prasoulis, and Facebook is the same as well. So I'm usually quite active on my social media. I try to answer and talk to as many people as I can. I, I usually go through all my, my emails and stuff like that. So anyone wants to get in contact, I'll be more than happy to, you know, touch base and, you know, say hello and 
answering questions people have and stuff like that. But it's great. I look forward to catching up with you too, my man, soon. Yes, when we can cross borders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Fantastic. Costa, thanks so much. Thanks so much for doing this. Great speaking to you, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a, a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group and in there I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So uh, it's called the Martial Arts Media Community and an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. Uh, there's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, request to join and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.